Okay, so welcome to episode six of the seven P's of Joseph. Um, and just a brief recap, I highly encourage you, first and foremost, that if you have not seen every episode in order, that you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, but um, again, as we started with the first P, the first P being implied but not written, which is pride, um, God was not given glory for the dreams that Joseph got in his dreams, and so therefore pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before fall. So after P number one, which is pride, we get to P number two, which is the pit. So Joseph ends up in the pit that he is thrown into by his brothers. His brothers had intended to kill him. Judah changed their mind and said, oh, he was our brother. After all, why don't we sell him into slavery instead? So, but before they could carry out their plan, a band of Midianites came by. They were able to scoop Joseph up to take him into his third tea, which is Potiphar's slavery. So, um, after Potiphar's slavery, um, he is he rose again to the highest rank. Um, there was nothing in the house of Potiphar, according to Joseph, that was greater than he was. This, of course is another sign that we did not quite address the first thing as we ought to have and so pride was still an issue that caused him to come into his second tea and the second tea is what we're going to speak about today which represents actually the the fourth tea in the teas of Joseph and that fourth tea that he ends up into after pride the pit part of the slavery is prison so it would seem as though Joseph is further than he had ever been from seeing the fulfillment of the dream he had some years ago. It's as if just when you think it can't get any worse. Well, quite frankly, it does. As we discussed in the last episode, though Joseph was rising in the ranks concerning his servitude, he still had an issue of pride that needed to be addressed. He didn't get the lesson Yehovah was showing him through these series of challenges. So once again, he finds himself in a pit. And, and once again, his covering, coat, or garment will be the identifying characteristic that would be used to position him in the second pit, in our fourth P, which is prison. After slavery had officially ended, it didn't take long for those who bear the meaning of Laban's name to find another trap for the Negro. If we can't legally work them in our cotton fields, in prison they would go, where once again they would legally be required to work for free. The ink didn't get to settle on the paper before they found their solution for the free Negro. Prison. The 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution abolished slavery and involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime. In Congress, it was passed by the Senate on April 8, 1864 and by the House on January 31, 1865. Like Joseph, we find ourselves or our loved ones in this pity situation. But the same answer that was for Joseph is the same answer that is for us. 
We have the ability to thrive if we keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. If Joseph didn't learn the lesson Jehovah was trying to teach him in this pit, then who knows what would have become of the dreamer. An important point to keep in mind is this verse in Genesis 39, verse 21. But Jehovah was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. If we are innocent like Joseph, even in prison, we will rise to the top. Jehovah was with him, and in every step he was preparing him to reign over Egypt. Whether it was in slavery or prison, this Hebrew thrived in the midst of pity situations. The descendants have a battle that is raging, and the temptation we suffer from is wanting to become weary in well-doing. The saints are being overwhelmed with the news of wrongdoing. But we must remember that in Egypt there are two manner of people interacting and intermingling. There are those of the family of Shem and Ham. And we decide if we will walk in the path of Abraham the Shem, in words Shem means character, of promise. We have an opportunity to see the bigger picture and to keep in mind that if we, like Joseph, remain true to our Elohim, serve as we are being called to, and remain steadfast, looking to him to vindicate us, then we will follow in the path of our forefather Joseph. If we, however, allow the enemy to cause us to lose heart, we become prideful and vindictive and lose sight of the one who gave us the dream. It is in prison that Joseph would remember the one who gave him the dream and would be positioned to receive the blessing. Genesis 39:23. we see that the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because Yahweh was with him. Who was the him? Joseph. And that which he did, Yahweh made it to prosper. Get wind of this. The Lord made Joseph to prosper, even in the pit. There is no situation we face that if our hearts are right towards God and we are faithful with the work that he has given us, that he won't allow it to prosper. What Joseph had to realize is it doesn't matter what the enemy has planned against us if we know that Yah is for us. Joseph would get a second chance to give God the glory for his ability. And this time, he will get it right. As the scripture makes clear, as dungeons or prisons go, Joseph was placed in the king's prison, where those who apparently are responsible for high treason would reside. We would consider this in our language as a federal level offense which speaks to the authority Potiphar clearly had in Egypt. However, Jehovah was preparing him such that as it states even here 
he prospered. But Joseph's steps were ordered, and he had to be where he was to take the final test. This test he would pass. When the king's baker and butler are seen in the prison distraught over their dreams, Joseph says something that lets us know that he finally understood where he messed up. In Genesis 40, verse 8, it says, And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me then, I pray you. After interpreting the dream of the butler, who would be reinstated in three days in his position, Joseph says something that would sit him down for an additional two years. Genesis 40, verses 14 to 15. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When we find ourselves in a dungeon, pit, or prison, it is important that we don't put our confidence in man to deliver us, but rather to remain trusting in Jehovah to, to deliver us. Joseph's reliance on the butler to put a word in for him delayed his freedom. If you are looking for man, government, or wealth to deliver you from the pity situation we find ourselves in here, then you will delay your freedom. In due season, we will reap if we faint not. We will rise from the pit into the palace. But if we make it to the palace without the humbling heart, we will cause more harm than good and delay the bigger plan that God has, which is bigger than us. I am amazed when I think of all that God would do and allow to happen to us just so that we who were lost, whose identity was lost in this world, would be able to reconnect to our true identity in Him. There is no other family I'd rather be in than his. And like Moses, I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to endure sin for a season. Hebrews 11 verse 25. Our season is wrapping up. And we have a choice to make. We can follow our descendants of Shem and Ham and travel the road to destruction or we can choose the road of Abraham, who was content looking for a city whose builder and maker is Yah. Hebrews 11, verse 10. As for me, my choice is settled, and I hope yours is too, because we don't want to miss the next piece, because after faithfully serving, it is time to reign in the palace. Final thoughts. Joseph had to contend with two pits in his life. This is indicative of the second death. His pride was responsible for bringing him into both. For his descendants, this point is extremely important because had Joseph not received the gospel, which was what saved him, he would have surely died in that pit. Where did Joseph hear the gospel? 
glad you asked. When Joseph interpreted the dream for the baker and the butler, he was seeing the work of the Messiah that was re- revealed in two lives. Consider this. In both dreams, three days are mentioned. In the butler's dream, he will be restored to his position of power where he will be serving the Pharaoh his cup. This is a picture of the resurrection and the coming judgment on the prince of this world. In Revelation 19, verse 15, For Yeshua took the keys of death and hell when he was rose from the dead. Revelation 1, 18. It was the interpretation of this dream that opened the door for Joseph to two years later be put in a position of influence with the Pharaoh. Had the butler not gone to prison, met Joseph so that Joseph could interpret the dream, then when Yehovah gave Pharaoh a dream two years later concerning the coming famine that he couldn't interpret, the butler couldn't have suggested Joseph. In the baker's dream, he had a nest in his hair that birds ate out of. Yeshua would have a crown of thorns on his head and be crucified that we might have life. The bread of life, the unleavened bread, would be crucified that we might have life through him. The baker would die in three days. This would reveal the crucifixion, death, and burial of the Messiah. The bread of life would give his life so that we could have life through him. John 6, 51, verse 53 through 58. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. He would be that suffering servant like Joseph, who would be separated from his father in a hellish situation, so that in the end the very ones who plotted evil against him could be saved. He, in essence, gave all so that we can have all. I can't think of no greater cause that could eliminate the crab-in-a-barrel mentality than being willing to serve rather than eager to reign. This is what Yeshua was showing us when he, who is king of the Jews, didn't have the Jews wash his feet, but instead he washed theirs. The true sign of the seed of Joseph are those who don't look for their congregation to serve them, but instead they look for opportunities to serve their people. 
It is when we get the lesson of Joseph, the servant, that we can appreciate what will happen next. Because be assured that the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. It is the one who was last that will be first and the first that will be last. But this is God's doing and not ours. We will not gain this honor if we seek it in the flesh. It must be achieved as we walk out the steps of Joseph, which is the reflection of Yeshua, who in servitude conquered the enemy, had the prince of this world known. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 10. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that comes to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. In episode 7, we will see how Joseph got over. We will rejoice in knowing that all that he suffered beforehand was a part of a bigger plan that even as he reigned, he couldn't fully comprehend. Our suffering, though it seems like forever, has been temporal. When we consider we serve a God that lives outside of the boundaries of time, we realize how short even 400 years is in the whole scheme of his divine plan, and we accept our plight in it with humility and adoration, because in the end, it's not about us, but him who worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So, I hope you are enjoying the series. Remember, we are just on Joseph 17. We haven't even continued the story or the correlation of the message to Ephraim and how it connects to us. We are looking at what I call the foundation of understanding who Ephraim is and restoring the identity to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, in episode 7, we see where Joseph makes it to the palace. And we will also see on some level where we have made it to the palace. But this fulfillment is not fully fulfilled, but it shall be. And so I hope that you are seeing where you fit in. I hope that you are seeing where God is working in to do his good pleasure. And I want to make known, as I try to make known in every episode that I do, that listen, this is not a color thing. Color, like anything else, is something that is in God's hands and purposes that he uses for his unique purposes. But this is an understanding thing. As we've spoken before, remember the whole world was populated by three brothers. These were the sons of Noah. They come from the same family. These are not different families. We all come from one blood 
has God made every race in the world. So this is not about color. However, what I do want us to highlight and understand is that there are certain things that God does use as markers, as signs. And I would like to reflect how color plays that position in that sign, in that garment, in that mark for um, us to identify those who are lost, who are being found. And I want us to keep in mind that we get to choose. Um, One of the things that we don't think about, and I want to put this in your ear because a lot of times, even though we, we get caught up in color in this nation because they've made it such a big deal, the reality is that the scriptures don't speak in terms of color. The scripture te- teaches us in terms of people, groups, nations, and tongues. So here is the thing. We have to remember that there was a, to always two nations that were constantly in connection when we're looking at the Old Testament scriptures. And they're, by and large, the two people groups that you're seeing intermingling on a regular basis. So I want to interject that because it's important. Because the children of Ham were intermingled with the children of Shem, in particular with the children of the promise. Abraham not only married Sarah, one from his own tribe, but he also married Keturah who was a woman of color, if you will, who was a part of that culture that represents the people of Ham. If we look at Judah, he married into Canaan, see of Ham. Um, If we look at Moses, he married Zipporah, Midianite, seed of Ham. So what I'm trying to make clear to you is that the people of color have always been in the mix. But most importantly, what I want to make clear to you is that you have a choice on who you're going to identify with. You can choose to be associated with the people of promise, or you can choose to be associated with the people who just had an opportunity to be a part of the people of promise. So what does this mean? This means that your second birth is like the second pitch is based on the choices that you make, particularly one specific choice. And that choice is to receive the gospel, the same way Joseph did in prison. If we don't get to a place where we receive the gospel so that we can be born into the kingdom of the light, it really does not matter what your biological leniency is as, as it regards you, because you can still be lost. The picture of that is Judas. Judas was a Hebrew. He was a Jew. But guess what? Scriptures make it very clear that it would have been better for him to not even have been born than to do what he did to Yeshua. So being a part of the biological scene has very little significance to you as an individual if you don't embrace the one who was able to die for you. Because he was without sin. See, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. So whether you are a part of the seed or you're spiritually grafted in, it's that what's going to matter is that you're grafted in. What's going to matter is that you're actually in Christ. Because if you're not in him, if you're not in Messiah, then 
being a part of the biological seed of the children of Israel will profit you nothing. You will be used just as many others were used, just as Pharaoh was used, just as Nebuchadnezzar was used, just as Judas was used. Even he was prophesied in Scripture to have, to to be a part of this destiny. So all I'm saying is your willingness to submit to the Creator, your willingness to submit to the path, the one path that He has made possible for us to be reunited with Him, this is what's important for you as an individual. Now, what's important for us to understand the prophetic place we are in at this hour is the understanding of the house of Israel. Because if we don't have an understanding of what God is doing right now, then we're going to easily be swept away in the deception that so many in this world are already heading towards. So having a love for the truth, being able to embrace that truth no matter what color it appears in, is going to be relevant and beneficial for those who are still breathing on on this end of Calvary to make their choices and decisions and um, to align themselves with what God is revealing. That's where it's important. That's where it's significant. If we take it outside of that purview, if we take it out of that scope of thinking, then we're going to find ourselves on very dangerous ground. So I really hope you're enjoying the series. I really hope and pray that you are listening with an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because in this hour, there are going to be many who are going to be lost. And sad to say, many of those people are people who biologically are connected to the house of Israel. But they are lost in this world. So we have an opportunity to be found. And my belief is that in this series, God is going to help some lost sheep find their way home. And my heart and hope is that in the midst of that, in that humbling, that there will be an understanding that for this very hour, you have been prepared. Because there is a coming famine. may not be a famine for food and I say that lightly because I do believe there's also going to be a famine for food, but I think more important there's going to be a famine for the Word of God. With a lot of censorship taking place and a lot of things that are going on, the prince of this world knows what time it is. He knows his time is short. He's coming down with great wrath. And so we have a very small window to come into the fold, to come into the revelation of what our purpose is here for, is here for what everything we went to up until we get to this next piece, why it was significant, and to arm ourselves with um, the knowledge that can be the answer for the world. So I just hope that you will continue to seek after Yah, that you will make it your priority to share the gospel to provide the invitation 
to whomsoever will. Not according to color, but according to whatever relationship God is giving you with the people in your sphere of influence. And to be prepared, because there are going to be those with questions, and it is very important for us to have answers when those questions come. So God bless you. May he bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and grant you his shalom.